Totally Football Show. Today, more stormy encounters than Donald Trump's diary and almost as many games with clubs as we round up all the big news. Hey-ho, Silver. Watford's rotating door spins again. Stoke's return to form. Arsenal's return to the top four battle. A massive Sunday night across Europe. Backhill's League Cup. And you're in trouble, son. That Borough Bottle business. It's all in the Totally Football Show. Okay. Very exciting lineup on today's Totally Football Show. We welcome back Kelly Cates. Hello, how are you? I'm really well, Kelly, but not, not as well as you or your agent, because since you started <laughs> doing this show, you've literally exploded across. I think that's what tipped it, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I, people keep saying, oh, I've, I've, you're busy, I've seen you everywhere. And I'm like, one, that's not a compliment. It just sounds like they're fed up of me. And two, how lazy is everybody else? I only do one game a week. I just think it reflects badly on everyone else. That's true. You're right, Kelly. Uh, also here today, and he is busy, Ian Irving. We've literally dragged you from the the transfer window, Ian. Yeah, you're kicking che- and screaming. <laughs> you're checking your mobile phone like Ronaldo with a head injury. It's on. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, you'll give us updates minute by minute. Uh, no. On no, all no. the. I can comment animal. on things yeah. that have happened, but yeah, Brilliant. minute by minute is maybe a little stretch for me. That yeah. Okay. Uh, oily sailor. By night known as Duncan Alexander is here. Hello. Full of opta goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Loads of questions, actually. Here's one for you right off the bat, Duncan. <laughs> mm. Listeners, you can play along at home if you like. Uh, Alexis Sanchez, if he signs for Man United, has that happened yet? Oh, one minute. No. OK. If he signs, he'll be the 11th player to turn out for both Pep and Mourinho. Can you name the other 10? Yeah, we probably could. But we've got stuff to talk about. All right. <laughs> nice. So much for the that. The answer is yes. It's quite a dull question, isn't it? Yeah. Well, producer Ben gave me that. Should I just give you the answer straight away? Yeah, or do you want to have a go? Let's rattle Let's just have a go. Why don't we'll you give it. the answers at the end? Yeah, and, then if, the and then if people don't want to listen and use it in the pub tonight, then they can do that. OK. Also, hello to you, Ben Yeo, uh, as you run around New Zealand. People have started to write in if they, if they run while listening to the pod. Come on, Ben. Then you go on love a bit, yeah. All right. Anyway, what do you want to start with today? Should we start in the absence of any confirmation on Arsenal's swap deal with Man United, Mkhitaryan, Alexis Sanchez, and all that? Should we start off with how Arsenal played this weekend? It looked to me like they were suddenly enjoying themselves again. It looked the way that Monreal celebrated that opening goal with that punch of the air. Like a dark cloud had gone. Kind of, mm. yeah. wonder what that could be. I was, am I reading too much into that? The way, the, the, the gusto with which they attacked that match? Yeah, I mean, they were playing Crystal Palace, but they did look like a team who the shackles were off and they'd, you know, all the kind of speculation of the last uh, few weeks is, is, you know, hopefully over and also possibly looking forward to some new friendly teammates. Perhaps so. Only two wins in nine matches before this for Arsenal. Whereas Palace had only had one defeat in 11, I think. Or was it 12? But you're right. I mean, the Palace maybe facilitated this Arsenal success, but it was tremendous success. But it was the fact that it was only a league game against Palace. It was right at the start of the game. It just seems significant to me the, the amount of, of, of emphasis that, that Arsenal were, were putting into their kind of have some of that fist bumps. and stuff. Yeah, they looked happy. I think mean, the thing that I took out of this game is I've got a theory that um, obviously, as a Wickham fan, I don't get to experience it very often. But when your team scores a lot of goals in the first half, everyone at half time goes, "Oh, we're gonna. This could end nine or ten. But it never really happens. And I had a look actually, and um, seventy-five times in Premier League history that a team scored four or more in the, in the first half, they've only averaged zero point eight nine goals in the second half. So you know, and thirty-four times of those, they just haven't scored in the second half. So the rule of thumb is, if your team does well in the first half, go home. 
Absolutely. <laughs> of course, there, there, there were some big scoring games across Europe in, in which both halves saw significant action uh, on, on score sheets. Uh, a word or two about Mesut Ozil, who mm. particularly seemed to run the show in the absence of Alexis. Yeah, I, I think as well, yes, I'm, I'm sure it, it is a reason Sanchez leaving why Arsenal looked so good initially, but I just think that's human nature, isn't it? I think we've all had this transfer hanging over our heads. The Arsenal players... It feels to me from the outside like they've had this transfer hanging over their heads for a lot longer than just the last couple of weeks, longer than the last six months, probably the last 12 months really. So mm. if there was a, a release after that, then I can, from a human perspective, I can understand that. And also it's a chance for, for players to, to stand up and be counted as well a little bit. And I think there is an element of that, not least because potentially there are more than just Henrik Mkhitaryan arriving at Arsenal as well. So, you know, the players need to do that. You mentioned Ozil as well. I mean... He does do this. This isn't new for Arsenal, is it? You know, playing this sort of way at home this season. Either their home record has been very good. They've scored lots of goals as well. And, and Ozil does have a, an ability to stamp his authority on this sort of match and his character on this sort of match and produce, help produce the sort of goals like Lacazette scored, which, of course, was all the things you'd say, vintage Arsenal, but it was a, an absolutely beautiful goal. Yeah, featuring Ozil's participation no less than six times, numbers indicate. Uh, all right, and is Aubameyang going to come? What do you think, Ian? I think there's a good chance of it. I'm, uh -huh. I'm not particularly well-connected at Arsenal, but in terms of the, the things I've heard around and people who are a lot better connected than me, it does sound like that there is there is scope to do this deal because not least Dortmund seem quite keen to get rid of him. So when that happens um, and the other team wants to bring him in and the money is right, um, then, then it does tend to happen. I'm really, really interested, though, to see how Henrik Mkhitaryan gets on at Arsenal. Right. Is really it, interested. Are you curious about whether he and Ozil can coexist within the same tactical setup? Is it that kind of interest? I, I'm just interested considering how it's gone at Manchester United, really. Um, because there's been so many different theories about why it's not worked out from, you know, from off the field stuff, on the field stuff, his relationship with the manager, um, his adaptation, the type of character he is, so many different theories. And it'd just be intriguing to me to see him in an environment which seems like it's going to suit him better than Old Trafford, a manager that seems like he's going to suit him better than Jose Mourinho as well, right. just to see how good he can be. He wouldn't be the first attacking midfield flair player to leave the services of Jose Mourinho and go on and be absolutely brilliant somewhere else. And actually, another example, like Memphis Depay. We'll talk a bit more about him later on. Interesting. Uh, Arsenal have Chelsea coming up, they do. Kelly. And you went down to Brighton to see Chelsea this weekend. I did go down, and I'll be at Arsenal's match against Chelsea in the Carabao Cup later Are this week as that? well. Yeah. Yes, I will. Um, but, yeah, I, see, I did. I saw Chelsea um, beat Brighton. And... They did look, they scored a couple of goals early on, much in the same way that Arsenal did against Crystal Palace. They got an early start, they did really well, and they did it without Morata and Pedro, yeah. who were suspended. And that front three worked really very nicely. William, Batshuay, and Hazard all linked up really well. And it was almost as though they were sort of looking at Michi Batshuay going, Do you know, you've had a little bit of stick recently, you're not really doing too well with it. Let's keep getting you involved. There was always that extra little pass to him, and it was, they were, they were good to watch. They were, Brighton were unlucky. They could have got something out of this game if the, if certain things had, had gone their way. They were just a bit off. But sometimes that just comes down to the fact that Chelsea have got better players than them. So that was that was the kind of the summation of it. But they look they look good, Chelsea, without looking absolutely phenomenal because it's mm -hmm. hard to judge when the opposition isn't great. Much in the same way when you look at, at Arsenal against Palace, you just kind of have to 
to qualify it slightly. But yeah, they, if they play like that against Arsenal, you could, should have a good game on Wednesday. Well, you should. Yeah, there have been some good games between I mean, them. The last one wasn't. <laughs> the last one, the two-two oh, before that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You but can the only first beat... leg of the, the League oh, Cup semi-final no. was not great. Batshuayi, though, his participation, and I'm borrowing other people's tactical ideas here, but his participation allowed the likes of Hazard and and Willian to play in a different way than if it had been, say, Morata up front. Is that right? Yeah, and they, they, there was a, a lot more. Um, Interplay and between the between the three and look trickery and backheelery and yeah. all k- kicks and flicks. I mean, it, poor <laughs> Lewis Duncan, Shane Duffy had a terrible. Lewis Duncan, in particular, I think he was spent half the game on his bottom in the <laughs> in the in the in the penalty area. But it was look it, not because he was doing anything particularly wrong, just because Hazard was just on it. And when he he's on, on it, it, and Thierry Henry made a really interesting point about him that he came was off he your guest. Yes, and he came off after I don't know fifty eight minutes. In the in the game against Leicester, mm. and he said he was really impressed with the way that Antonio Conte has dealt with Eden Hazard. He said that when and, and was sort of contrasting it with the way that Arsene Wenger deals with players at Arsenal, and there's no accountability there, and the kind of old tropes that we trot out about Arsenal. But he was saying that that with um, Antonio Conte and Eden Hazard, fifty odd minutes against Leicester at nil nil, you need a goal. Eden Hazard is supposed to be your star man, the man that is going to create anything, and he took him off. And what he was saying was, you've not performed well for a couple of games. I've given you nearly an hour. Of this one you've still not performed well you're off and if you don't play well you come off and I don't care who you are which is a message not just to Hazard but to the rest of the players and that Hazard then lifted the game he talked about it happening last season against uh it was the game before Arsenal did he take him off against Liverpool and then they played Arsenal I think Possibly. that was the that was the example he gave I can't remember exactly mm. but he he gave that example as well and said he, he's just not He's not bothered about upsetting people and that in that circumstance with Hazard, he knows exactly when to judge, when to give him a little kick. Yeah, he's giving them all a kick by threatening them with Peter Crouch, Ashley Barnes, <laughs> any well, they'll of these be, they'll options. be quaking. Because it looks like Edin Dzeko. I mean, this does look like a serious thing. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, Bring I mean, a lot of clubs use Ashley Barnes as a stalking horse. So we, We've seen this before many times. I hope they do sign Ashley Barnes, really, because he... That would just be probably the oddest signing ever in Premier League history. Maybe Andy Booth going to Tottenham all those years ago would, would match it. He's um, Barnes has scored half as many Premier League goals as John Barnes, so oh. which I was find. How nice. many games has he has he played compared to John? Fewer, and Fewer. Also, yeah, yeah, literally. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, I'd like to think that this would, could rejuvenate one of the most unremarkable, remarkable, or remarkable, unremarkable international careers has ever been mm. with Ashley Barnes. He uh-huh. made his debut for the. Austrian under-20s a decade ago and hasn't been near any Austrian setup since. Um, his grandma, maternal grandmother, I think I'm right in saying, uh, is Austrian. Um, he went on a pre-season tour about a decade ago with Plymouth to Austria, was spotted by one of the Austrian national team youth coaches, subsequently called up for the Austrian under-20 uh, team for a little tournament, came on as a sub quite late in one match, and then hasn't been near Austria again, basically. And wow. I asked him about it quite recently. Every time I uh, interview Ashley, I, I tend to bring it up just as a, uh, a lighter side, shall we say. And uh, yeah, the, the response is always the same. Don't know what happened to that, really. So maybe if you did go to Stamford Bridge, it could rejuvenate that international career. That's a fascinating little parenthesis in. Thank you. Um, anyway, so as I say, Edin Dzeko, who very much is an international with Bosnia-Herzegovina, apparently... They've made a 44 million offer to Roma for him. He's 32, but they're all Roma would throw in a left back Emerson Palmieri. Although you'd think they were maybe covered in that position, but anyway, uh, that could make sense for Roma as well. I think. 
I, I like Edin Dzeko. Um, mm. In some ways, he's been a forgotten figure in Manchester City's not so distant past because he did score a number of important goals, not least in, of Two, course, that, yeah. Yeah, in that incredible comeback on the final day of the season that, that's obviously gone down in folklore for, and rightly so as well because it was incredible. But yeah, Edin Dzeko's goal was equally as important as Aguero's and Pablo Zabaleta's really. He's actually got one of the best minutes per goal rates of any player in Premier League history, yeah. which is you can read two ways because obviously he was better than I think people remember. Um, and also he came off the bench a lot. There's a lot of players who are kind of tagged with being super subs who aren't actually that good. Andy Carroll, for instance, has hardly scored any goals as a sub. Um, but Dzeko really has. So if you are going to sign a sort of older, bigger man, uh, he probably is the uh, other way to go. So. If it is just about numbers, though, Mishibashiwai has had great numbers, hasn't he? I mean, he, he, it feels to me like when he plays, he scores, and then people tend to critique the rest of his game and, and point to well, that he, as a reason yeah. why. He's at eight in 23, but limited time in most yeah. of those appearances. Yeah, he scored a title-winning goal before ever starting a game for his club, which is good going. Yeah, last year at West Brom, wasn't it? Yeah, he's got the goal that won them the title. Tom says, I'm looking for a useless stat. How many backheels have successfully been played in one Premier League game? I'm guessing that Chelsea's match away at Brighton came close. Well, sadly, this isn't something we collect, which is a, an aberration, really. Did, because... Watching it, Kelly, did it seem particularly... Yeah. ...heel... heely. Thing. Were they all wearing heelys? Is that what you're yeah. asking? <laughs> were they skidding around the pitch? Yeah, it was. It was. It there was a lot of trickery. There were lots of, especially from Hazard. There were lots of moments where you kind of looked at him and thought, "Oh, he's showing the full box here today." I love a back heel myself. I think the back heel is particularly unpopular in England. Oh, I think really? you go to other countries and people just it's seen as a valid pass. But yeah. in England, you know, a back heel doesn't come off. People are, are you know furious and think it's a. Because Urzel did a pretty special one as well. Didn't I? I thought everyone was quite happy with him for that. Yeah, they're happy. Obviously, they're happy when it when it works out. But oh, you know, a, a kind of you know a token back heel in the middle of the it's pitch. It's not a Rabona though, is it? I mean, that is silly. Yeah, and knee damaging possibly. <laughs> Very possibly. Yeah. I tell you what, I do love. Oh wait. Long, not not the pass, the long sort of cross pitch pass. Yeah. But when a player kills it, ah. absolutely stone dead. Yeah. That's my favourite thing. Okay. Definitely. There was an ooh at Burnley actually at the weekend. Um, not exactly the same, but a long clearance. I think from one of the Manchester United defenders was killed in an instant by um, Nkudu making his home debut. Absolutely killed it with a beautiful, beautiful, perfect just cushion of a touch and then sent Burnley immediately on the on the attack once again as they were chasing a late goal and it just, I just it just stuck with me the ooh that Turf Moor made because that's not a noise they often make really at Turf Moor to be what honest. What noise do they make at Turf Moor? Ah, those right. noises, yeah. I like it. I love Turf Moor. Anywhere for me that's still got wooden seats, I love that. The okay. noise they make as well, I think that's underestimated when teams go on the attack. It's, it's The seats? It's marketedly different to the noise of plastic seats and actually one of the things I do love because everyone stands up they clack uh, exactly yeah. yeah and um that is one noise you're just talking about things you like in football mm -hmm. the noise of seats banging as people stand on their feet to watch an attack I love that Duncan yeah that is a good noise alright yeah. no I just wonder if you uh, because we're going even more ever more niche yeah I think <laughs> if we go back on the pitch I think um I is there a particular kind of number that you enjoy 48 there you go yeah it's classic um <laughs> Talking about football, I quite enjoy when a player towards the end of the game is trying to waste time and he's in the corner and there's three opponents trying to get the ball and they can't. And if it, particularly if he can play it off the corner flag at some point, 
just aesthetically lovely. Did you really enjoy they... Man City, Sorry. Man United? Is that what you were going to say, Ian? No, I was going to say when, when was... players do that and then they kick it off one of the defenders yeah. and win a throw-in. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. love exactly that. Exactly what <laughs> was doing to Man thing. United. Was yeah, he did it like three times in a row. It's yeah. just oh, beautiful. Wow. Yeah, I, I, must admit, I did enjoy that too. Um, of course, back heel-wise, there was only one back heel really this weekend in, in, in Europe and that was Liam Bailey's. Did you see this? No. From fully 12 yards out to score for Leverkusen against Hoffenheim, moving themselves into second place in the ever-so-tight Bundesliga. I say ever-so-tight. There are actually six teams within one point. Uh, Leverkusen, Schalke, Leipzig, Gladbach, uh, Dortmund and Frankfurt, but not contained within that six teams. One-point paradigm are the leaders, Bayern Munich, who are 16 points clear anyway. Leon Bailey, who's probably the player of the season, actually. And is that right? Might be. Anyway, we'll get Honigstein in and ask him. But he's been amazing. Uh, right, well, we better take a quick break because we wandered significantly off the um, narrative path. We'll be back on it after this. Listeners, our partnership with Paddy Power helps to keep this podcast free. And speaking of free, when you join Paddy's Rewards Club, every time you place five bets of £10 or more on any sport in a single week, Paddy will give you a free £10 bet the following week. Sign up now at paddypower.com. T's and C's apply. Max £10 bonus per person per week. Specific odds required. Exclude shops and cashed out bets. 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. Okay, so 11 players have featured for both Pep and Mourinho. Well, if Sanchez does sign. Who are they? Uh, Samuel Eto'o. That's one. Ibrahimovic. Also. Idiga Johnson. Correct. Uh, who else? KDB. There you go. Claudio Pizarro. Is That's he one? true. That is one. That's a good one. Ian Robin. Yep. Mm. Yep. Pedro, you could have had him. Fabregas, Xavi Alonso. Zlatan, we said, just missing one. We'll come back to that later on. Another attempt to make you're that sound exciting. Attention, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Kelly, as you say, Arsenal playing Chelsea in the semi-final second leg Carabao Cup. The other semi-final, of course, will see Bristol City taking on Manchester City. How are Bristol City doing at the moment? Not well. They drew nil-nil with Derby uh, this week, having been beaten one-nil by Norwich the week before in 2018. They've conceded 11 goals and only scored one. Curiously, though, Kelly, who was that goal against? Manchester City. Bang. Manchester City are in form, aren't they? They beat Newcastle 3-1. I mean, they did beat Newcastle 3-1, but they should beat Newcastle 3-1. Yes. 82% possession as well. 82% that you will possession. Maybe win the game when you're that far on Not top. always. Not always, no. Um, and it was only 1-0 in the reverse fixture, which is possibly one of the... Dullest games I've seen. It, yeah. it was really? just, oh my God. I do have an issue with a team not trying to score a goal until the last, what, five, ten minutes? Which is yeah. what which is what happened. Newcastle's maybe a bad example for this particular argument on my part, but having watched Southampton and West Ham just before Christmas do pretty much that against Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium and hear everyone say, oh, well, they should have had a go. And it was like, well, actually, they came pretty close to taking a draw from the mm. Etihad, which only Everton had done uh, and still have done to that point. And also they came, I think it was West Ham, certainly came very close to actually getting more out of that game. And the whole tactic was trying to stop Manchester City, be smart in your opportunities, right. um, 
set pieces as well was it was a key thing on, on that particular day and I've got no problem with teams trying to stop Manchester City they're that good aren't they teams if you're facing Manchester City do what you want Ian has no problem with it <laughs> absolutely you have carte blanche uh, ooh here's some things ask Oily Sailor says Adam has any other Premier League team gone longer in the Premier League than Newcastle in A getting a penalty and B an opponent being sent off and C who's hit the woodwork more than Newcastle United this season. It sounds to me like Adam is feeling a little bit bitter about it. Sounds the... like he's constructing some sort of excuse factory somewhere. But I had a look because I'm nothing if not thorough. Um, he's a bit off the mark with the woodwork because okay. quite a lot of teams have. Newcastle have done it seven times. Who's year. done it the most? Man City, obviously, ah, yeah. which, you know, 16. But second place, joint second place, Southampton, who oh. don't really score very many. So, you know, FIFA make the goals a bit bigger for Southampton and they'd be all right. Um, the other two things, he's sort of on to something, I suppose. The Newcastle have gone 24 games without penalty. Only Burnley are currently on a longer run with 29. Um, and no Premier League opponent of Newcastle has been sent off for 115 games, which is the longest current run in the right. Premier League. So, Having said that, if you don't get out of your own half, you're less likely to... In, in yeah, if you've got 18, 18% possession, then you're not, you know... <laughs> Gonna get fouled yeah. as much. Uh, here's something else from the world of stats. Opta Joe, which opta are you, Duncan? Do you have a, an opta nomenclature? I sometimes help with opta Joe. It's it's a collective thing. It's a, it's a kind it's of a, a secret Lutheran. cabal of yeah, right. Exactly. Okay, well, one of you anyway tweeted on Saturday provocatively. Twenty-two years ago today, Man United were twelve points behind the league leaders, having played twenty-three games. Exactly the same situation as this weekend, and of course they they went on to win it in the end because you like to put a little word with a question mark. In this case, it was repeat question mark mm. nonsense. Mm. Well, wait, is Pep Guardiola a better manager than Kevin Keegan? That's the question. That's the question. The big We're all question. waiting for the answer to that one. <laughs> yeah. Time. yeah. yeah. Uh, right. quick, quick final point on that game. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, Aguero loves playing against uh, Newcastle. Yeah. Perfect hat trick, mm-hmm. which is good. First perfect hat trick since he scored one himself um, against Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I but like... it's just funny because the last one was against Newcastle as well. Yeah, yeah. Can you name? In it? fact, he's got fourteen goals in twelve league games against Newcastle. Well, if you include the two assists as well, right? One point four percent of the goals Newcastle have ever conceded in the Premier League have been scored or assisted by Aguero. That's amazing. I like that one. Wow. When you stumble across stuff like that, it, does it does that make everything else worthwhile? All the all the wormholes that you go down to know yeah. kind of great statistical conclusion. Essentially, yeah. I think the peak of that was obviously Cambridge scored seven uh, last year, last season, two seasons ago against Morecambe. Uh-huh. Um, and I looked up the last time Cambridge had scored seven in a league game, and then I had to you know have a have a look at what happened that day, and, and Ernie Wise died that day. So Morecambe. And why? That's bittersweet, isn't it, really? I was sad remembering yeah. it, but and also yet. very happy. Right. It's what he would have wanted, you feel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you got a favourite stat, Ian? I, I can't match that, unfortunately. No, no. okay. No. Kelly? I'm, I'm just sad now. All right. Let's change things up and talk about Watford after this. Tweet us at the Totally Football Show and find us on Facebook, also at the Totally Football Show. Watford, boy, they're efficient, aren't they? Mm. Some clubs dither around for months trying to find a replacement. Watford, get the man out, get the man in, all in the space of a day. They've Tremend- done very well, the Potsos, they've, they've to done be this organised. They? they are practised at this. Mm. They, they do seem to be owners who have a plan, and whether or not you agree with what their plan is, they execute it well. The club do you seems agree? To be- do you agree with it, Kelly? <sighs> 
I think, think it works for them. Yeah. Oh, do, I, do you mean do I agree with them sacking Silver? Yeah. I, ca- I think if you go into Watford, this is what you expect. If right. you go into a, and I know they gave him a, a longer contract than, than most Watford managers have had before, and it, but I think if you go into Watford, you know that you are going to be judged on short-term results. And if after nine games you say, I'm going to go off to Everton, can I go and have a chat with them? Because I quite fancy moving on from here. I think, one, it's it's reasonable to ask because you know your your time at Watford is going to be quite short. Two, it's then also reasonable for the club to say, no, we're nine games into the season. You stay here and you put a bit of effort in before we let you go and Until move on. To, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which I think is about nine games in, that's yeah. that's reasonable. Um, and I think then if, if results for a few months um, fall off a cliff and performances, more importantly, fall off a cliff, mm. if the players look like they're not responding to you and you've then had time to put someone else in, in place to take over immediately, it seems entirely reasonable from the way that the club is set up. It's not the same for every club, but for Watford, it seems like a very sensible decision. Well, it would be fascinating to hear what Watford fans made of it. Uh, who was doing 606? Yeah, that'll, that'll be me. Or was that you? Uh, yeah. yeah, and righty. So, yeah. They and what were, did they, they say? Were, they were fine with it. Oh, really? Yeah, they were absolutely fine with sacking Marco Silva. Because they're tense. Yeah, but they're used to it. They've had, what, 10 managers They've since 2012. Since... Yeah, but, the yeah, but they're four, four points. points above the relegation that's, that's zone. The thing. That's the key, Basically, the relegation and also... zone starts at, at sort of ninth. Yeah. Oh. And also, yeah. they've also they've seen the performances drop off since mm. he, you know, flirted with Everton. So uh, they're, they're fairly pragmatic about it. They know how their clubs run. They know that... It, that's that's how it works at Watford. They've seen ten managers in since 2012, and they know that by and large, they've been they've been decent appointments. So they're they're kind of fine with it. They okay. know, they trust they trust the owners to make the right decision for the club because that's kind of that that's what their track record suggests that they they're going to do. It's become a short term club, hasn't it? Basically, in in the way that they think and the way that they act. And, and that's why you can understand why Marco Silva. Yeah, said, yeah. can I go and speak to Everton? And, I mean, and it's equally why you can understand why he's out of a job at, yeah. this, at this point yeah. as well, I suppose. Do you think he'll stay? Uh, there's a lot of people saying, oh, I bet he's with Southampton by the end of the month. It'll be interesting to see what happens next because I remember um, when those links were um, really strong with Everton and they were trying so hard to bring him in as well. Mm. Um, th- his reputation was, was really high, wasn't it? He'd, he'd nearly kept Hull up last year, which seemed like an impossible job. Uh, and also, of course, he'd made a really great start with Watford. But I remember thinking at the time, well, yeah, yes, he did great things with Hull and he nearly kept them up, but he didn't keep them up. And with Watford as well, yes, he had a fantastic start to the season, but it was just a start to the season. So, And he's had a, a great track record where he's been previous, of course, as well. And, and the jobs that he's done in Greece and Portugal is revered there, and, and rightly so by the look of his track record. But in terms of English football now, it will be interesting to see how this experience with Watford and, and certainly the way he looked at that Everton job so quickly as well, what effect that has on the opinion of him in boardrooms across the country. Indeed. The man taking his place, Duncan, as you no doubt know, is Javi Gracia, mm. uh, who has done lots of things, most recently at Ruben Kazan, had a couple of top-half finishes with Malaga, beat Barcelona when they were very, very good in their treble-winning campaign. Good positional discipline, I read. His team's very hard to break down. They are essentially well-organised. Yeah, which is sort of the issue uh, Watford fans have had with Mazzari last season. Mm. So, you know, I think they enjoyed the fact Silva's been a bit more open playing better football. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that works out, really. I mean, I'm just sad that they've broken the perfect run of managers. So Watford seasons in the Premier League... 38 games for Graham Taylor, 38 for Eddie Boothroyd, 38 for Flores, 38 for Mazzari, 24 for Silva. Wow. 
Could they not have hung on for I know, 14 just more? 14 more games, come on. Wow. They were better off at this stage under Matsari than they are under Marco Silva. Four points. Four points. But I think this yeah. goes down to the, the argument at the moment. Basically, the bottom, what, 12, 13 teams are so equal that, it, it, you're, you know, you could all go down, you could all finish 10th, any, any of you. And it's whether, I think a lot of fans now are like, well, we're not going to finish in the top six. So, you know, why don't we just play entertaining football at least if we're going to go down or, or struggle? Why not entertain us? Mm. Inside the Far Post says, if it were possible to clone Sam Allardyce, how many Premier League clubs would he be managing right now, Duncan? <laughs> Six. Do you think six, or are you just being? I think that you could only clone a maximum of six. Sam Allardyce. Is that right? It? Yeah. And the Is machine it a bit like would... when you used to do tape to tape, and that each generation? Yeah. Or like that Michael Keaton film, Multiplicity. Exactly. Yeah. yeah the, the, the piece of paper. The DNA would. Oh yeah, phase. folding a piece of paper. Which you can only do seven times. Yes. Or putting cream crackers in your mouth. <laughs> you can't eat more than Prove six, it. seven. We'll do that. But no, but yeah, if you were to clone Sam Allardyce, that's the thing. Each generation would be a little bit more wonky than the last. You could Until argue you'd end up with I don't know Gary Megson or something like that. <laughs> you could Maybe argue that is sort happened. of happening to Allardyce at the moment. You know, his his, his start Everton's been fairly negative. You know, he's already they failed to score and have a shot on target in three games already, which is right. you know a lot compared to his previous club. So they did manage a shot in this they had game four this weekend. This weekend, so they went mad. But um, <laughs> but generally, he he see, you know his kind of methods. I think you know are kind of reaching their their limit. We'll, we'll touch on Everton and their match against West Brom in a second or two. But Andrew has a question. He says, as a, another Premier League job opens up briefly, when exactly is a visionary club going to climb back on the Curbs train? Alan Kerbishley. Mr. 12 to 1. <laughs> Was he quoted uh, this weekend no. again? I think he's. I don't think he's. He's going to take a job, is he? I don't think it's whether or not they approach him. It's that he. He. I think he was interested for a while, and then he. He has a nice life. He does some television stuff. He has a you know life outside of football, which you know hard to imagine, but he does. And mm. I, I can't. I mean, unless it was the perfect job I can't see anything sort of tempting him back in so that way around I don't think it would work I, always I, I, I assume that that question is asked sort of tongue in cheek as well because he's been out of the game for such a long time he has been because his last job was West Ham and he sued them for constructive dismissal I always wondered if that put some kind of mark against him in clubs heads that he was a troublemaker litigious that kind of thing anyway Javi Gracia is the man now in the hot seat hopefully for at least 38 games with the Hornets his first game will be against Stoke who successfully unveiled their new manager this weekend in a 2-0 victory over Huddersfield. Ian, you're nodding and smiling. Yeah, not, not for any particular reason, other than <laughs> saying that they needed to go back to basics and Lambert could do that for mm. them. But I'd not be foolish enough to say that what I said last week was at all, you know, or what happened this week is at all making me right because there's still a long way to go for well, Lambert. What did you say last week? I just was defending him when everyone else oh, in the Paul room Lambert. was yeah when everyone else in the room was sort yeah. of groaning at his appointment. But but it's early days; it's only one game. I did see encouraging signs for Stoke though in that performance, um, and it, it just seems like a a nice fit that really Paul Lambert at Stoke in terms of the way the club is, the way the fans are, uh, the type of players who are in that squad as well, uh, and it, he seemed to get a bit more out of Shakiri as well and. He's such a talented footballer that if he is playing well in that Stoke side, then you don't, you know, in my opinion, I give him a real a real chance of getting out of trouble if he can sparkle. Boom. Everton then, 1-1 with West Brom. Horrible injury for James McCarthy. Leg broken in two places. He's only just come back, of course, from some hamstring bother. And that's him out for a long time, I imagine. 
Yeah, all very unpleasant. Lovely to see Seamus Coleman actually leaving his seat in the director's box and going down to speak to James. I know the friends anyway as teammates and, and club mates at international level as well, but that just underlines to me what a lovely man Seamus Coleman actually is. He's one of the nicest uh, people in football that I've met, certainly. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously he's been through exactly the same as what as the road that James is starting on now as well. And to see that such obvious support, so immediate, uh, immediate support for him as well, I thought it was really nice, a touching mm. moment. That Tell us about Everton then. Uh, they had a shot on target. It took 38 minutes. They had three more afterwards. How did Theo Walker do? Duncan. Did pretty well. He got his first assist in the Premier League in, 20, uh, in 28 games. Which is, got booked as well, didn't he? He did get booked. Fiery. He also sported a new and quite raffish hairdo. Mm, looked quite good. Also, I thought him in a, in a shirt other than Arsenal was really unsettling. Often you see a player move clubs and it seems, you know, it's a footballer in a different shirt, but seeing Theo Walker in an Everton shirt was genuinely odd. Seeing Tony Pulis at West Brom for me was deeply disturbing. I, 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 could, I couldn't divorce him from the Stoke reality. Mm. It was so welded into my psyche. Um, Everton now have an 11 day break until they kick off next against Leicester. The That's most, exciting. The most will, worrying thing Will they me, be off to Dubai? I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll have some warm weather training or some description. That, Ian, well, what's the most worrying thing for you? Yeah, sorry. Um, no, no, you're yeah. right. Holidays in Dubai are lovely, I'm sure. Um, indeed, for footballers in the middle of hectic seasons. But mm. what worried me about the, the comments after the weekend from Sam Allardyce was this, this remark that Rooney and Sigerson can't play together. Now, for. The, the return of the um, former wonder kid Wayne Rooney and the club's record signing, both uh, players who were brought in last summer to now be unable to play together, according to the manager, I think for me is a real concern for do Everton. You, do you think he may have a point? Um, he's better placed than me to, to judge it, so if he believes that, then fair enough. He, he thinks that the two of them don't um, have enough pace to be able to play together. Um, Everton struggled, didn't they, at the start of the year, certainly with the number of number 10s they seemed to have and trying to fit them all into the puzzle. Uh, it seemed like they'd sort of, he'd, he'd cracked it Allardyce using Rooney in a, in a certain role and using Sigerson in a certain role, but now the options of Tosin and, and Walcott are there, then perhaps he, he doesn't believe he can fit Rooney and Sigerson in, which I think is a real concern because Sigerson is a, an excellent footballer, is a decisive footballer as well in terms of goals and assists and his set pieces as well. And I think as well Wayne Rooney's shown this season that he can still produce match-winning moments and he can still contribute in a way that he used to. Perhaps not the same dynamism and the same sort of physical attributes, but certainly in terms of his passing ability and his, his scoring ability as well, that there's still a lot to give uh, Everton Football Club from Rooney. I'm, I'm concerned too. Yeah, you look <laughs> concerned, James. Yeah, yeah. I am, I... Th- I th- you know, Theo went up there to play with his buddy Wayne. Yeah, um, but they've they've spent a lot of money on Sigurdsson and yes. they've spent a lot of money in terms of wages bringing Wayne Rooney in. Yeah. So in terms of an outlay, in terms of transfer fee, and I, I can't help but agree with you. And wages, you know, yeah. there, was the, there wasn't an expectation that Wayne Rooney was going to play every game when he came into Everton. It was always going to be managed. It was always yeah, yeah, going to yeah. be here and there, and that's it, definitely for a fair when point. he was available. When he was available, but you wouldn't. But Sigurdsson is more of a worry. Well, you wouldn't expect them to to rotate, would you? You know, yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. So Kelly's concerned now as well. Duncan, how do you feel about this <laughs> current situation? I think if you look to what Sigurdsson did last season, which is why clubs are willing to pay that amount of money, it was he was a kind of set piece specialist for, for Swansea. And I think that will appeal to Sam Allardyce. And I think it was quite telling that he said, um, I need to give Sigurdsson a chance centrally um, and, and Wayne put Wayne on the bench. So I think, you know, Allardyce has kind of put his cards on the table. But I thought the week before when they lost to Spurs, he was 
pretty scathing about all of his players as well, yeah. which is pretty early to to come out like that. So and he was he was again at the weekend. He was again after West Brom. He was sort of saying we we didn't play to our strengths and the players didn't really. He was he was upset with the way that they they performed and uh, he's he's not holding back at all, is he? No, it's, it's very early, as I said, yeah. to, to do that. So whether you know what's going on behind the scenes, who knows? Listeners, do you like shaving and looking smooth and clean? Yes! But do you enjoy having to go to the shops for new razors and other shaving supplies? No! Well, Cornerstone gives you everything you need for a great shave and they'll deliver it all right to your door. Cornerstone's super sharp, award-winning blades are engineered in Germany, which is always a good sign, and their range of balms, creams and exfoliators are all environmentally friendly, alcohol-free and suitable for the most sensitive skin. Get £10 off your first order and check out the range for yourself at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally and find out why tens of thousands of men have switched over to Cornerstone. Quick word about the Football League, where there's been all sorts of excitement this weekend. Nottingham Forest, now under the management of Anatol Karanka, beating Wolves 2-0. That's Wolves' first league defeat in 13. Also, you had Fulham beating Burton 6-0. There was one of the most amazing games of the season that leads defeat at home to Millwall who I don't think had, I can't remember the details do you know the details on this? I know game? some of the details and I, but, the, but the fact is even I was watching that game come through on um, Soccer Saturday because I'd been driving back I'd listened to a bit on the radio and I was and I came in and I couldn't work out as they were because they hadn't updated the score oh. as I was watching it and I kept and they were saying Leeds, Matt Murray was doing it like, Leeds are in the, no Millwall are in the lead no God and I got so confused right. because it just swung backwards and forwards but Leeds 2-0 down yep. at 10 Men yep. and then Mill and then and then to be able to come back into it, but then obviously Millwall sort of um, won the game in the end. But just an extraordinary game at Elland Road. They'll be talking more about that on the Totally Football League show on Tuesday, and uh, hopefully also the Borough water bottle incident with QPR. Have you heard about this? <gasps> yes, it's awful. It really is awful. It really is awful. One question which I haven't seen answered yet. Does the borough keeper drink? I Sorry, this does is the, the QPR, one. but... Uh, that yes, that, but, right. but, I, but the, the, nobody said that he has, so I'm assuming that he didn't drink the water. Well, maybe they just don't but like to also, mention it. also, what goes through your mind? You're sitting there and I, you see the water bottle and you think, oh, I'm going to so, tell you what we'll do, let's get his water bottle. Ha, 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 quite funny. Not, you know, Supposedly but, there was a pitch invader who collected the water bottle and that's how yes, it ended up in the stands and yes. they decided to add a little extra... And then throw it back out for him. Yeah. Anyway, the police... I mean, it did... <laughs> I know you can get those little kind of sachets of squash that you can put into drinks now, but frankly, if you can carry your own right with you, why not? Well, there are people... Wasn't it Julie Christie who uh, advocated the drinking of urine? Oh, but that, but yeah. not other people's. I think it's about drinking your own. Your the health own. benefits are supposed to be urine. about drinking your own urine. Okay. Exactly that. I'm not advocating it. Just to be clear, yeah. I'm not advocating it. <laughs> why, why, is other, why is your own urine OK, but other people's urine not? I suppose because it has your own antibodies. I don't know. I'm not an expert. I okay. feel like I'm being the go-to person on this. Anyway. And the... I don't know. All right. But some disgusting person peed in a water bottle. <laughs> that is revolting. Producer Ben saying, let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> no, okay. is he? Is he? Really? Anyway, so uh, I've been asked by a few followers who can confirm the so-called Borough fan who urinated in the QPR coat goalie bottle was arrested by colleagues. And, uh, yeah. Good. Let's hear now from a man who can't get enough We, Because he's French. It's Julien Laurent. Hello, guys. Hello there. Sorry. It was a big Sunday night of action all around Europe. You had... Uh, Barcelona thrashing Real Betis. 
Messi on fire. 5-0, extending their lead at the top of the Liga to 11 points. Real yeah. Madrid had previously beaten Deportivo 7-1 with a little bit of innovation for Gareth Bale. In Italy, there was Inter against Roma, which wasn't entirely overwhelming, 1-1. But without doubt, the match of Sunday night took place in faraway Ligue 1, where Lyon, one of the teams chasing mighty Paris Saint-Germain, hosted Le Parisien at the Stade Lumière and beat them. Julien, what happened? Oh, it was incredible, Jim. It was one of those games, um, one of the games of the seasons, without a doubt. Three amazing goals. The first one from Fekir inside the first two minutes. PSG, poor start of the game, a few mistakes. Uh, one of them being the position of their goalkeeper on a, on a wide free kick uh, from Fekir, who decided to, to shot straight at goal when we thought he would cross the ball into the box. And instead, he went in. And after that, Kurosawa scored a lovely uh, left-foot volley on a cross by Daniel Vesto, right back to left back to make it 1-1 just before halftime. And then with the last kick of the game, the late, late, late drama for Lyon with Memphis Depay scoring a, a, an absolutely screamer with his right foot right in the top corner to make it 2-1 for Lyon. It was, it was a great game with a lot of intensity, with a lot of uh, tension, uh, a big injury for Kylian Mbappé, for example, with a big clash with the, uh, the Lyon goalkeeper. There was he no Neymar. He got Schumacher. Yes, he got Schumacher. Some said it should have been a pen. Um, others said that Lopez went for the ball, got the ball first, and then pretty much could have killed Kylian Mbappé. Mbappé is fine, he's okay, but just no, just clattered into it. No, no, really. no, no, he really did. It was, uh, it, it was like watching NFL or something. But so, yeah, so it's. PSG down down a man because Danny Alves has been sent off with about what mm. half an hour to go. But ninety third minute, it's all one one, and, and Memphis Depay just picks up the ball, does a little bit of a run, just gets his bearings, and then unleashes that fabulous curling shot. Yeah, and it's it's um, Levin Kozava, who, as you know, is not my favourite player. I don't think he's good enough. I think he's a bit of a clown. Scored that amazing equaliser with that left foot volley mm-hmm. just before half time for PSG. No problem with that. But then in the last minute of the game where you're down to 10, where it's 1-1 away to one of your big rivals in Lyon, he tries to do that pass, clever pass, in the middle of the pitch, loses the ball, he gets back to Fekir, then to Depay, and Depay scores. And it was a wonderful goal, but again, it was another uh, mistake from one of the PSG players. And I, I just don't think it should happen at that level. And, and you know, what I found... Very interesting, but also very worrying for Paris was that once again, in a hostile atmosphere, away from home, against a team that is really up for it, with put a lot of intensity in, they lose. They can't psychologically compete with that kind of atmosphere. We saw it, obviously, at Barcelona last season, but even this year, away in Munich in the Champions League, where it was a similar kind of thing, away at Marseille, where they were lucky to get a draw right at the end, but similar again. And even at Strasbourg, where the crowd was on fire and they really struggled to compete, even with Neymar that day, mm. to compete so, with that kind of intensity. So this game, Jules, was without Neymar, who picked up mm. uh, a, an injury, but not a terribly clear one. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. He trained normally on Saturday. Everybody saw him training. And then the club said he had a thigh injury. Uh, there was a video that he put out where you could see him receiving treatment on his thigh. Uh, and somehow he was not in the squad and missed, like we said, you know, the one of the biggest game of the season. Right. How excellent has Memphis Depay been since joining Lyon? He's been a bit hit and miss. Oh. He's had some amazing goals. Yeah, he was he was a sub, for example. He's a, he's a sub now for this team. Uh, he's not good enough to start. 
but he showed how you know he showed what a great player he was with that the goal at the last minute. Although he's been more difficult for him the last few months, he started well the season, um, and and the last two to three months he he's been on the bench. He was he was really the victim of the the emerging talent of Usam Awa, who's the latest prodigy from the Lyon Academy, who's only 19, who plays instead of Memphis in the 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 formation. What's from the Lyon, name? And that's why Memphis on the bench. What was the name again? Awa, Usam Awa. Remember okay. the name. Him and, and the other one from last night, just to finish quickly, mm. who, I mean, Fiki had a good game because he scored that fantastic first goal. Mm. But Tongi and Dombele, who's the uh, defensive midfielder at Lyon, who, again, is also 20, was just incredible. And I, and I think you should remember the name because soon he will come here to the Premier League and soon he will be with the French national team as well. Dombele. And Dombele, yeah. And Dombele. Yeah, and Dombele. Okay. Uh, Jules... There's a new manager at Bordeaux, and it is? Gus Poyet. Mm. All right. No one saw him coming. Uh, Michel Prodem, the, uh, the Belgian manager and the former Belgian international player as well, goalkeeper, was the big favourite, um, but apparently wanted too much money. And somehow, Bordeaux, you know, <laughs> took out their heart Gus Poyet, who was last seen in China, and he was sacked in September uh, from uh, Shanghai Shenhua. And he's back in Europe. I'm not sure. I mean, the people in Bordeaux were not that happy. A lot of skepticism about him. I'm happy to see what he can do in a team that has talent with players like Malcolm, if he stays, obviously. But also have lost all sorts of confidence after that terrible run they've had since, since October, really. OK. They had a win this weekend against Claudio Ranieri's Nantes. Was he in charge for that one, Poyet, or not? No, he wasn't. Yeah, there was a, there was a caretaker manager, Eric Bedouet, who's been at the club for, for a long, long time, who's the head of the, the academy. And Gus Poyet will take charge for, for next weekend's game now. Super. He speaks French because he used to play for Grenoble. Ah, Back in the end of the 80s, we are certain uh, Yuri Jorkev in his team as well. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. I I just wanted to pick up on uh, Julien speaking about Memphis Depay because um, another player who has been brought... Talking on Memphis. Yeah, yeah. Quite. Um, brought to Manchester United in the period between Sir Alex Ferguson and Jose Mourinho, not quite worked out and left. I remember covering his home debut at Old Trafford, which was a Champions League playoff. I think I'm right in saying it was his home debut against Club Bruges. And he scored two goals in the first half and was absolutely brilliant. Obviously wearing the number seven shirt, which Alexis Sanchez will soon wear as well. Um, and I remember speaking to quite a few people after the game who were sort of heralding this this start that he made in the seven shirt and linking it to the start that Cristiano Ronaldo made off the bench against Bolton a few years before. And I interviewed uh, Memphis Depay after the match. And just before we did the interview, he was sat on the floor in the interview room looking quite despondent. And he was sort of wait, we were waiting for our slot because the Champions League uh, games, there are lots and lots of interviews going on, lots of different countries uh, being represented by the broadcasters there. And I just remember saying to him, something along the lines of, you just got two goals on your own debut, what's the problem? And he was absolutely despondent about the fact that he'd missed the chance not to score a hat-trick. He was completely and utterly transfixed with this moment. He's like, I could have had a hat-trick. And I was th- from my perspective, I was thinking, wow, home debut, two goals, mm. uh, at Old Trafford for your new team, amazing. And I remember coming away from that thinking, well, actually, if that's his attitude, mm. this guy's going to be great. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I wasn't right about that. <laughs> 
Would you, do you think he could have been better? Maybe. I mean, I, I mean, was it his fault? Or there's quite, that... there's quite a number of footballers who who've played for Manchester United in and this Mourinho. period. Well, it, yeah, but it was before Mourinho where it went wrong really right. for him. Um, and there's quite a lot of players in that period where you've sort of looked at them and it's not quite worked out for whatever reason. Manchester United have not been quite as good as before, which I'm sure has contributed. There has been changes in managers as well. Uh, and and really, just winning football matches for United until till recently has not been as easy as it was before as well, which obviously means those type of players perhaps struggle more. Um, it, it felt like there was you know the unfinished business when he left in a way really, but if Julian's saying that he's not even getting in Leon's team, then then perhaps that is a true reflection of his his ability maybe. Yeah, it does seem that way perhaps. Hmm. Uh, by the way, on the subject of Italy. Many thanks for all the kind feedback about our first episode of the dedicated Italian football podcast, Golazzo. Even Mikel Silvestri retweeting it, which was a bit embarrassing because we've been a little bit snide. <laughs> what did Not you say really. about him? No, we were talking about all the great players in the Inter squad in 1998 and Gabriele Marcotti said, yeah, Mikel Silvestri for a kind of comic effect. But we were discussing Do you think he retweeted four. it in a passive-aggressive way? No, I think, he, I think he's just, just a nice guy. He scored in that in the game we were discussing as well. And anyway, we're going to have uh, an entirely more positive edition on Wednesday. We're not going to be rude about anyone, <laughs> in case. Uh, in which we'll no doubt discuss Yusuf. You were asking about Milinkovic Savic. How good can he become? That's a question we'll be asking in Wednesday's show. He he had a brace and a, and a brilliant volley this weekend in in Lazio's five-one win over Kiev. That's two games in a row that Lazio have scored five goals in because they they won five-two away at Spal last. Weekend, all, all very exciting. That third, we'll talk about all of that on Wednesday. Uh, top four race. How's that looking now? What with Arsenal winning and etc. Et, et well, Duncan, I know you know this. Man United, of course, are second on fifty-three points. Chelsea are third on fifty. Liverpool currently rounding out the top four on forty-seven. Spurs dropping two points behind them after that draw away at Southampton, and Arsenal moving three points behind their North London rivals. So of course, we wait for Liverpool to play this very evening. Be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Spurs, they're one-one at Saints. You got any thoughts on that, Duncan? Is it very disappointed? Was it all about Ericsson not being part of? Yeah, Spurs I think side? they they massively missed Ericsson. Um, obviously, Kane's now up to ninety nine goals. Mm. Um, not red balloons. Um, oh, problems. Oh yeah. All right. Nine problems. Goal scoring ain't one. There you yeah. go. But Jason the should have done that really. Yeah. yeah thanks. Sorry, I've Sorry. worked with you too many times, James. It's <laughs> <laughs> <His> catching. <laughs> so um, um, yeah, no, another own goal. Spurs kind of specialise in scoring own goals against Southampton. Right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I think 0.5 percent of the goals Southampton I have think... ever. Well, I don't think I know. Obviously, <laughs> I try and couch in a bit of mystery, but yeah, I definitely know. Um, 0.5 percent of the goals Southampton have scored. Yes. Or not, as the case may be, in the Premier League, have been Spurs' own goals. So that's a lot. It does seem a lot. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I mean, obviously, 0.5 percent. It's a small number or a small percentage. So it's half a percent. Yeah. Of all the goals that they've scored, have actually been contributed by Spurs. Yeah. Which is friendly. Nothing else. Wow. Indy Boonan's got a question. Is it still illegal to suggest that Deli Ali is actually quite average? He certainly was in this game, wasn't he? I mean, he's not in good form, but uh, you know, if you look at how he's doing, he's played 93 games in the in Premier League, um, right. and he's got the 26th best ever record for goals and assists. Really? So, yeah. So at that stage of a player's career, you know, 93 uh-huh. games, he's only four behind Kane was at that point. Wow. Obviously, Kane plays more, um, more up front, and he's only one. He's got one more than Eden Hazard did after 93. So, games. does he miss playing alongside Ericsson? 
Well, I think they all do. But right. the point is that just because Ali has had a, a you know a sort of quieter month doesn't mean that his numbers aren't still really good. Right. Is this his third still Premier League league. season? Yeah. yeah. So perhaps it's just the first case of that third season syndrome that players don't often suffer, but that Th- could be a new thing. That, yeah. Yeah. Kelly, you're nodding your head. No, I just think he hasn't played particularly well this season. Certainly in the in the sort of latter stages of it, but I think it's a bit early to write him off as average yeah. because he hasn't had chance to recover from this dip. And if he does, then you know the, you judge him on on the overall. That's career, fair don't enough. You? Yeah, Spurs themselves having a little bit of a dip. Here's Michael Prescott saying, given that Spurs are on course for at least ten points fewer than last season, how do they progress, and what do you see them doing over the next eighteen months? Boy, that's a big question. Are they going to? Are they going to hang on to Harry Kane in the face of this £200 million offer that Real Madrid is supposedly now preparing? I think so. He seems like a, a hand in a glove at Tottenham, doesn't he? You know, in terms of um, him coming through the ranks there and one of our own and all those sort of things. He doesn't seem to me like a, a character or player who would agitate for that type of move. Maybe it will happen at some point. I guess it depends on how Tottenham progress and, and you know, how they get on with... We're finishing in top fours, qualifying for the Champions League, winning trophies and that sort of thing. But just at the moment, is this maybe where Tottenham should be? Fifth. Have they overachieved in, in recent years by, by punching higher in the success that Pochettino's had? Perhaps this is just a bit of a, a levelling year and they can push on from here. But the, the big concern for Tottenham for me is, like that story about Harry Kane, is when you've got the talent that they've got in their squad. It's how poachable these players could be if Spurs were to finish outside the Champions League. And if they were poachable, what sort of a a rhythm that would then set for Tottenham's future? Big questions. Burnley, that seat-clackingly good 1-0 win for Man United at Turf Moor. Ian, you were there and you talked to Jose Mourinho afterwards. Yes. Yes, um, for me, uh, it seems to be a theme, really, of of, uh, people's opinion on Manchester United just lately and comparing them to Manchester City. Of course, people will do that, given the the position of the two teams geographically and in the league table at the moment. But I I don't think there's any question that Jose Mourinho has improved Manchester United. I think they're they're certainly a better team to watch most of the time than Mm. they've been in recent years. Uh, and also as well, just in terms of the character of this team as well, the strength of character in this side, I don't believe that's a game that Manchester United would have won in past seasons at Burnley, in, in recent past seasons, because of the, the way that they've been. They'd look brittle at times, uh, holding on to leads and that sort of thing. And th- there seems a real strength of character now in this squad, a happiness around the squad, a contentness in the squad as well, which which I do think you have to give Jose Mourinho credit for as well. The question is now about how Alexis Sanchez fits into that. Ah, well, that is the question, isn't it? And what that means for all their other talents. Yeah, but I, I don't see it being an issue, no. to be honest. I, I don't think you can have too many good players. I don't think you can have too many players who are going to contribute in the way that Sanchez will because right. I know for a fact Jose Mourinho believed that his squad lacked X-factor at times. Right. It lacked a character stroke, talent who was able to grab a tight match by the scruff of the neck, mm. a la Anfield earlier on in this uh, this season that's right. been that, that, that often is, quoted match. Is Sanchez match. that player? I think he believes he will be. Okay. And, and I think he has produced moments like that in, in matches throughout his career. Um, and, I, and I think he's more able, shall we put it, than, than the players they've got in the squad currently to do that. Fair enough. Are they excited yeah. about, about Alexis? Is, is, the, is there a buzz about it? 
Ian? Yeah, definitely around Manchester there is as well. And I think Manchester United fans are really going to like him as a character as well. He's quite an intriguing guy. I was speaking to a, a colleague of mine over the weekend who, who works for South American Television, Lou Restrepo, works for DirecTV. And he was saying that Alexis um, is into art galleries. Part of the reason why he likes living in London is he likes to go and look at art. Uh, he's an excellent pianist to a very, very good standard. He learnt by ear himself as yeah. well. Um, I don't know if you saw his Instagram story over the weekend, getting on his private jet as well. He was playing... Um, Is that his jet? I believe so, yeah, because we've seen it quite a few times, haven't we? Specifically with his dogs as well. Yeah. Um, so he's best mates with two golden retrievers. Another part That's of his... Yeah, yeah, 99 <laughs> problems, but a bitch ain't one. <laughs> Another part of his interesting uh, sort of um, personal life. Yeah. And as well... He had the nickname. Dogs are part of his personal life. Well, they are. Well, they are aren't Come they? on, Kelly. They are. They are his personal life. Let's be frank. Okay, that's this, all this, he's got. This particular he, story he, is he, part of his personal life. Yeah. He was nicknamed the squirrel when he was a kid. Yes. Because he loved climbing trees, and it's a, a, a hobby that he still partakes in now. Ian, that is pod gold. He still climbs trees now. I believe so. If yeah. If you're Man United, you're going to want to put a stop to that right now. Well, so I'm told. But this is part of him as a free spirit and a character and all these sort of things. None that, of this tallies with the Alexis Sanchez that we. But that, it's that's fascinating, what's so exciting isn't it? about the change. It's going to bring out a whole new aspect to him. What's the nearest forest to Manchester? I don't know. He'd probably um, go into Cheshire, wouldn't he? Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Way. Or North Wales, if you wanted to go quite extreme. If I'm Alexis Cheshire, Sanchez, yeah. I'm going to make yeah. sure that I live in a big house with lots of big trees in the back garden, and I'll climb those. Amazing. When was the last time you climbed a tree, Kelly? Uh, I've... I've... <sighs> I mean, a while now, childhood. <laughs> really? Not well, since then? But, no, why? Why well, would I it, climb a tree? Well, I don't know why, but I there's would a, have a course. human... Alexis Sanchez, apparently. I'm not good with heights, which is probably part of it. That, that would be an issue with yeah. climbing trees, especially big ones. Duncan, you're, you're a tree fan. Yeah, I climbed a giant redwood. Oh. Not very high up the giant redwood. Are you allowed to do that? It was in England. Okay. So, I don't know I don't know if that makes any difference. Right. But it was surprisingly smooth. I slipped a little bit. You did? Mm. And what happened? I just landed on my feet. So, All like right. Sanchez, I you know can handle it. Is this a thing, then? <laughs> climbing the trees. adults climbing trees? Well, yeah. it, it was a kid involved. Yeah. 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 Oh, you right. were, oh, okay, I was in yeah. a sort of semi-protective... Yeah. Capacity, yeah. but it other than the yeah. slipping. If you weren't with effectively rendered you in the company of a young scamp, <laughs> I don't know if you would naturally be moved to climb a tree. But there is something within the human spirit. You know, why climb a tree? Because it's there. That would be my answer. Because it's there. Um, anyway, if you fall out of a tree, what else is there? And no one's the end of the show. Make a noise. Do you fall out of a tree? Not quite, Kelly. I'm afraid. <laughs> Not without discussing West Ham's one-one draw with Bournemouth, featuring first goal since October for Hernandez. Uh, Alex Guilford says the one minute and four seconds between the goals at West Ham must be up there with the quickest in history for two opposing teams. The ball was in play for only 12 seconds. Duncan. That is pretty quick. Um, sadly, we don't have the data for the, for oh. the whole Premier League. But my favourite example of something like this, not quite the same, was Wickham once uh, scored with their last kick of the first half. And then scored directly from the kickoff in the second half. So they Ooh. scored two goals without the opposition touching the ball, which is pretty rare. That's amazing, isn't it? Very nice. And that's a great way to say you've heard about the football. Now let's get the odds with Ian McIntosh and Paddy Power. Thanks, James. I'm here with Paddy Power, and it's movers and shakers, Paddy. How are you? I'm wonderful, thanks. How are you getting on? Yeah, surviving. Right, interesting one to start with. Watford threw another manager 
Um, I said at the start of the season I thought they'd get relegated and felt pretty silly for most of the opening exchanges. But now, form is so bad. Could that actually happen? Could I be right all along? Well, their form might be bad, but luckily for Watford fans and unluckily for for pessimistic predictors like yourself, form of other teams is equally as bad. So they've, they've got Swansea and Huddersfield and West Brown and Brighton and Stoke and all sorts of teams down there with them. So uh, so Watford, they really have to continue this slide and, and the new manager has to be a complete car crash, to be honest, for it to uh, for them to go down. I think they're 15-2 to two to be relegated, so 7.5 to 1, which means they're very, very likely to stay up. Um, but uh, you might prove to be right in the end, but you're going to need a huge turnaround of form. There's a lot of things that, that have to happen for Watford to go down. A lot of that's to do with people turn, like Huddersfield and, and West Brom and Brighton and clubs like that turning their form around and going on a bit of a run while, my, while uh, Watford continue their slide. So I think it's unlikely they'll go down. So Watford fans, rest easy, because I'm yeah. never wrong about these things. No. <laughs> <laughs> it always felt like I was clutching at straws. All right, what about this one for clutching at straws? Peter Crouch, not just to end up at Chelsea, but to end up top goal scorer at Chelsea. What can get for that? Yeah, this, like, this is, <laughs> if Peter Crouch goes to Chelsea, first of all, that'll be eyebrow-raising. And, and if he goes there and gets loads of game time, that'll be more eyebrow-raising. If he goes there and gets loads of game time and becomes top scorer, but I tell you what, you can have 500 to 1 because it's just not going to happen. 500 to 1. This is something I really <laughs> want to see happen. Um, and also, it, you know, it could kick off uh, or re-kick off his international career. What, what could you get on Peter Crouch scoring for England at Russia? Well, do you know what? If, if he's top scorer at Chelsea, he's guaranteed to get picked for the English squad, isn't he? And he's guaranteed to get picked for him because he'd be obviously banging them in like Harry Kane. But uh, he is uh, 66 to 1 to score a goal for England at Russia. At any stage. So if he goes in the squad, that's a great price, obviously. But uh, the chance of him going, I think, are slim. Uh, we, we called this. Uh, Sergio Aguero getting the, um, getting the hat-trick. We called it on Thursday, didn't we? What can we get on Sergio Aguero to get another perfect hat-trick this season? It's unlikely because it's hard to do. Because even Aguero doesn't do it that often. But uh, it's 10 to 1 that it happens again. I mean, he'll probably score another... I mean, it'd be a short price to score another hat-trick this season. But to do the perfect one would be difficult. So 10 to 1, yeah, and Aguero to get another one. Right, and finally, it's League Cup semi-finals. Um, Bristol City to score the first goal against Manchester City and really, really put the frighteners on them. What, what can we get yeah. there? Before Aguero goes out and scores a perfect hat-trick just next <laughs> week. <laughs> in a couple of days, and two days. Time. But uh, Bristol City are 7 to 2 to score the first goal. Obviously, City are very short pride favourite for that. But uh, Bristol City have nothing to fear, so they'll go out and have a go. And 7 to 2 to score first. Why not? You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. 18 plus only, of course. Begambleaware.org, please. And when the fun stops, stop. Did you ever get the uh, the other the 11th man in that Pep Mourinho played for both managers 11? I can't remember the 10 we got. Could we have a clue? Are you that bothered, Ian? Uh, I was just trying to make it interesting for the people <laughs> at home, really. Uh, <laughs> he... It's Maxwell. Oh, that's a clue. Yeah. Maxwell... It... Yeah, yeah, okay. There you go, fabulous. The fullback, Brazilian fullback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. kind of attacking, kind of wing back. Not thing. the former owner of Oxford United. Not Robert Maxwell. No. No. Or oh, the guy who liked coffee as well, Maxwell House. Ian, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nor was it him. Or the singer. Or, or anybody else. Soul singer Maxwell. Who have you yeah. got, Kelly? Is That's that... who I went for. Oh, I just sorry. said the singer really quietly. Oh, and Kelly, I'm sorry. You stole it from me. It's all right. all right. Don't worry about it. Um, so uh, this could go on for hours listeners it couldn't but we're going <laughs> to wrap not. it up there thank you so much for being with us Kelly thank you so much for where inviting will we, me where will you where will we, where will we next see you I'm off to Bristol tomorrow 
Okay. Uh, Bristol City, Man City. You're doing both of the semi-finals. I, I know, I know. No, but that's it's a gift. And where are you Bristol. next, James? Uh, well, I'll be here on. Oh, I'll be on Fan Zone around the world yes. on the Premier League's uh, thing. Uh, that's on I do Tuesday. Very much enjoy that. Yep, always, always. And Good fantasy t- football. Fancy on Thursday, mm. a little bit Golazzo. Oh, you don't want to hear about me. I do. No, no. Come on, James, Ian. I really do. What are you doing next, Ian? Fan zone today. Are you doing fan zone today? Yeah, later oh, you on, yeah. After that. And reaction and... after um, the match later as well. Oh. Liverpool. Yeah. Right. Oh, good, OK. And Duncan? I'm not allowed out, so I'm going back in. <laughs> You're going back in? Inside the numbers. All right, then. <laughs> Boom. Thank you so much for this... Uh, this 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 little sortie into the non-empirical world. It's and confusing but enticing. The analog existence. Yeah. Nice. All right, listeners. Thank you so much for being with us. We'll be back on Thursday. Football League tomorrow. Galazzo on Wednesday. Make totally part of your week, and we'll catch up with you soon. The Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.